7. Matthew chapter 7. We're going to read verses 13 down through the end of the chapter, down through verse 29. Matthew chapter 7. So I'll stand together, if you would, as soon as you find the verses, as soon as you find the passage. And if your neighbor doesn't have a Bible this morning, allow them to look on with you. Starting in verse 13, this is Jesus speaking, and he says, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Not every one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity." Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will, liken unto him, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock, and the rain descended, and the floods came. And the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And it came to pass, when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. For he taught them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, I pray that this morning as we come to your word, we come with a prepared heart. We come with a heart that has a desire to learn something from Scripture, has a desire to allow the Holy Spirit of God to work in our hearts and to speak to us this morning. Lord, we have people that are physically present here this morning. We've got people that are online this morning that are watching the service. We ask, Lord, that whether they're here or whether they're there, the Spirit of God might take the Word of God and minister it to their hearts in, in a way that only you can. Father, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, 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 a frail human being trying to proclaim a holy, pure, and perfect book. Uh, God, uh, if I did that on my own, I'd fail miserably. And Lord, I, I desperately need your help this morning. I pray that you would you give me the strength, the understanding, give me the clearness of mind, and uh, then, Lord, 
take the Word of God and, and use it to work in our hearts this morning. And that God, as you speak to us this morning, may our heart's desire be to say yes to you. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. What the Lord Jesus Christ has given here is he's given three different pictures. He's giving He's given a picture of two ways, he's given a picture of two trees, and he's given a picture of two houses. And each of these represents something. The two ways represents the start of a life of faith. The two trees, uh, growth of a life of faith. And then the two houses, the results of, of a life that is, is lived for Jesus Christ. And what I want to do this morning is I want to take a look at each of these, I'm really going to probably spend most of the time on, on the last one, the two houses, but, but I want to look at, at all three of these. The first one is the two ways. And in speaking of these two ways, he's talking about the beginning, the start, the origin of, of, of faith of the Christian life. And if you look with me again in verses 13 and 14, it says, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there, there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. In Speaking of these two ways, he's, he's speaking of the way to, to life and the way to destruction, the way to heaven and the way to hell. He says the way to hell is broad. That means it's, it's wide. It means that there are, are many different ways that you can take. It's a, the broad way is, a, is an easy way. It's a popular way. Um, one of the reasons why I know that Christianity is right, why I know that the Bible is true, is one of the reasons why I know that is because so many people hate it. So many people uh, uh, are disgusted by it, and it's not popular. Uh, remember, when God became flesh and dwelt among us, it was the population of earth that crucified him on the cross. And it, obviously, if Jesus Christ was not popular, then his, his, his ways will not be popular either. Um, the, the Broadway has, has most people. The majority doesn't rule with God. You know, when the, when the, the uh, spies went out back in the Old Testament and they spied out the promised land, came back to Moses, there was 12 of them. Ten of them said, oh man, we can't do this. The giants are so big and, and uh, uh, you know, we're like grasshoppers in their sight and it's just too big of a task. And Joshua and Caleb said, no, God can give that to us. It's not a problem. Let's go. And uh, the ten convinced all of Israel, and they ended up stuck in the wilderness for 40 extra years while God killed off that generation. Uh, the majority wasn't right. And you find that happens a lot, where the majority's not right. And uh, the Broadway has most people. It has, the, it has the, the majority of people today. By the way, just... You know, a good, and I don't mean this from a critical way, I don't mean this, I mean this from a compassionate way. <clears throat> Whenever you meet somebody for the first time, never assume somebody's saved. Always assume they're lost until they give you an indication that they're saved. 
We take prayer requests on Wednesday nights, and often someone will say, uh, pray for so-and-so because they have a uh, broken leg, uh, because they're in a car accident, because of this, that, and the other thing. And I don't know who this, these people are. And immediately I'll ask them, do you know, are they saved or are they lost? And oftentimes the answer will come back, well, we don't know. Okay, then always the safe thing to assume is that they're not. Pray that God would get them the gospel message. Now, if they're saved and God gets them the gospel message, well, they may need to pass it on to a roommate or, or a nurse or somebody else. But, uh, but the point is, is that because it's the broad way, assume that most people today are not saved. And that is true. That, that's just a fact of life. And then with the broad way, it's a comfortable way. It's a comfortable way because it makes room for your sin. And, uh, and, and it has many options. Uh, on, that, on that broad road, there are many different, different directions to go on that broad road because it is so broad. However, that's really contrasted to the narrow road, the narrow way. Uh, Christians are, are, have you ever noticed save people if you take a stand for god and you believe what this book says and you stand for it have you ever been called narrow-minded <laughs> you know what that is that's a compliment that's not a criticism i mean they think it's a criticism okay but it's not it means you must be standing in the right place <laughs> you know why do they use why do they say narrow-minded why don't they say mule-headed? Well, I've been called that too. But nonetheless, the point, the point being that uh, uh, the way of salvation is narrow. The way, the way to, to, to come to Christ is narrow. And, and it's, it's, sometimes it's lonely. You know, you'll, you'll expect after, after a person gets saved, I think this is just a natural thing. I think it happens to, to, to most everybody. They, they, they're excited. And you ought to be, you know, if, when you get saved, you ought to be excited you're saved. And you go and you tell other people and you expect them to have that same excitement and you don't get that back. <laughs> you might, you, in fact, you might get uh, some meanness. You might get, you might get uh, some mockery, uh, all kinds of reactions that you can get. So it, it gets lonely. It gets costly. And I, I don't mean that you buy a way into heaven. I'm just saying you take a, you take a stand, you believe on Christ and in Christ alone for salvation and the salvation itself doesn't cost you anything because he paid the price. He paid the whole price, okay? And so it doesn't cost us anything in that respect, but, but taking a stand for Christ can be costly. It's, it's the exclusive way. Jesus said, I am the way. He never said, I am a way. You say, well, then what about, fill in the blank, what about the so-and-so that lives in such and such a country that hasn't heard the gospel, that hasn't trusted Christ as Savior? Bottom line is, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man, nobody cometh unto the Father but by me. If they don't trust Christ as Savior, they will go to hell for all eternity. And I don't say that with any kind of glee. I don't say that with any, any joy in my heart. I think that's a horrible thing. That Jesus Christ paid the price so that the entire world could go to heaven if they chose to. The sad thing is, is that the, as we've already stated, the majority of people, majority of folks, uh, are not going to heaven. 
even religious folks that think that they are. We, we just read in the passage, you know, he'll, he'll say to some, depart from me, either work iniquity. I never knew you. I never knew you. And, and uh, you know, in witnessing to folks more and more, I, I find myself uh, really emphasizing the, the fact, especially around here, uh, I emphasize the fact that real Bible Christianity, real Bible salvation, is extremely and intensely personal. It's a personal thing. It's not, a, it's not just a doctrine or a creed. It's a personal relationship that you develop with the God of the universe, that you develop with the Lord Jesus Christ, and, and uh, it's, it's, uh, it's an exclusive way. It's not light by most. And if you've done any, any amount of witnessing at all in your life, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And, and again, in, in, when it comes to the broad way, uh, any way will do. Any road will do. But in, in the, the narrow way, it's faith and faith alone. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. You cannot, you can't get baptized, take away one sin. You can't go to church, take away one sin. You can't do anything or be anything to take away one single sin in your life. But what you can do is believe on and trust in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and believe that he was a full, final, and complete payment for all of your sin, trust Him and Him alone as your Savior, and when you do that, He gives you eternal life. But again, that's narrow. That's not broad. That's not broad. And, and the broad way will take you to destruction. The narrow way will give you life everlasting. That's the start of a life of faith. The, the second picture that He gives is the picture of two trees. And, and that's a, a picture of, of growth of a life of faith. He talks about two trees. Look at verses 15 through 20. In verse, verse uh, 15, he says, Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. Uh, do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Uh, what is it in the Christian life that, that is being reproduced as you live a life of faith after you get saved? It's fruit. It's fruit. And in the Bible, fruit comes in different forms. One of the, one of the, the forms it comes in is souls won to Christ. The fruit of the righteous is the tree of life. And he that winneth souls is wise. Uh, it's it's, it's having a part in seeing other people get saved. It's uh, fruit in the Christian life is holiness and obedience. Talks about the fruit of holiness and a separated life and a, and a, a pure life and a life that's dedicated to God. Uh, another fruit of the Christian life is giving, is giving. 
just being able to uh, be a blessing to other ministries and to this ministry and to missionaries. One of the one of the one of the things I I I enjoy. One of the things I enjoy the most about Freedom Baptist Church is our emphasis on missions. And, and I, I know you folks love missionaries. You do. I know you do. I can tell by the way that you receive them when they come here. And, uh, uh, you know, the uh, Bible says, where a man's treasure is, there will his heart be also. And I see what comes in weekly for missions. And it's, it's a goodly amount. Um, that's a, that's a good habit to get into. That's good fruit to have. Uh, we've, got, we've literally got fruit all over the world because of our missions giving. And uh, uh, so, so giving is a fruit. Another, another fruit is the fruit of the Spirit. It talks, about it, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. And uh, it, it talks about the, the, the characteristics, the nine characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit. When you live for God, when you live by faith, when you trust the Spirit of God to live through you, and you're filled with the Spirit of God, you show forth that fruit of the Spirit. And that's simply what that is, is Christian character that's developed in you. And, uh, and, and, and it comes forth as fruit in your behavior. And then another form of fruit is good works and service. Uh, the Bible talks about service and, and, and the, the things that we do were his workmanship created unto good works by Christ Jesus. We're not saved by works, but once we're saved, then we're created uh, a, a saved person so that we might have good works and so that we might work for him and give him honor and glory. And then the last one that talks about over in the book of Hebrews, it talks about, talks about the fruit of praise, the fruit of the lips, uh, the things that we say that give praise and give honor and give glory to God. You know, you know what, one of the things I found, I found that when a person gets saved, their speech changes. Things that come out of their mouth is different than what came out of their mouth before. And other people notice it. Other people notice it. Why? Because they're seeing the fruit. Fruit is what's visible. Uh, good trees produce good fruit. Bad trees produce bad fruit. When there's much faith in our life, there, there is lots of good fruit out there. And when there's little faith in our lives... There's little good fruit out there. And you can tell just how much, how much a person is walking with God, how much, how much faith a person has in the Lord by looking to see what fruit do they produce. Uh, Jesus said that in verse 20, and that's just a general, really. I have heard, I've heard unsaved news commentators quote verse 20. And usually they don't quote it exactly. But wherefore, by their fruits, ye shall know them. Uh, you can tell what's going on on the inside by seeing what's going on on the outside. And, and yeah, you say, yeah, but some people are hypocrites. Yeah, you can hide it for a while, but you can't hide it forever. <laughs> and eventually the fruit starts popping out. Okay, it just does. The fruit, fruit pops out. So, so uh, 
the two ways show the start of a life of faith. You got the broad way and you got the narrow way. The two trees show the growth of a life, uh, whether or not and, and how much fruit that you have. The one I want to spend time on this morning is the last one, verses 24 through 29, talking about the two houses. And that's the, the results of a life of faith. Look down, look down at verse 24 with me, if you would. Verse 24 says, Therefore, <clears throat> therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell. For it was founded, and it fell not, excuse me, it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And it came to pass, when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Now, let me just say this in the, in the beginning. Uh, throughout Scripture, uh, you find this back in the Old Testament. You find that, that uh, God is referred to as a rock. Um, you find that uh, God told Israel, uh, their rock, meaning the heathen, is, is not like our rock. Uh, speaking of their God, and, and uh, uh, all the way through Scripture, you find God referred to as a rock. However, in this particular case, he's not talking about God as a person. He's talking about obedience to God in a person's life. I, you know, and, and, and I, I understand the, the song that we sing in Sunday school, you know, the wise man built his house upon a rock, foolish man built his house upon sand, so build your life upon the Lord Jesus Christ. In reality, what we ought to be singing is, uh, build, build your life on being obedient to Jesus Christ. Not just talking about Christ, not just acknowledging Christ, but being obedient to Christ, because that's what the rock is, and we'll see that as we go down through it. If you look at this, if you look at this, this picture, both men, you got a wise man and a foolish man, and both men both built a house. Both houses get hit by a storm. Well, the Bible teaches that, doesn't it? It says the rain falls on the just, and the rain falls on the unjust. So it falls on the just and the unjust, and so we're, we're all going to have the storms of life. And one fell and one stood. Now the question is, why? Why is it, you know, same, same houses, same materials. Uh, one ended up standing and the other one ended up falling. They had the same materials. They same, had the same intensity of weather. But here's the difference. The difference was the foundation. The difference was the foundation. There, one had a foundation of rock, and the other one had a foundation of sand. Houses can look identical, but be affected by weather differently because of the difference in the foundations. Okay, um, 
you know, you build, which we did. Uh, we, built, we built a, I say we built, long before I ever came to this place, uh, folks built this church. It is built on a swamp. Uh, there is at least three to four, maybe in some places even six, uh, feet of fill dirt. And underneath that fill dirt is still a swamp, okay? Well, what does that mean? Well, that means things are going to be affected. I was, uh, I was watching a, 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 a short news documentary this week. And he said there's, there are cities around the world that are sinking. They're sinking. And they're sinking because they're not on firm foundations. Underneath is beginning to shift. I'll tell you what. I'm sorry, you know, I don't, I don't have anything against the, the people of the area necessarily. I don't want to live in California. I don't. Uh, California, you know, we, we kid about it. Well, it'd be okay if that state just kind of sunk and, and, and went into the ocean. Well, it just might one of these days. You never can tell. Uh, it's, it's not on the same kind of foundation. People complain about New York State. Can I tell you something? We don't have earthquakes usually around here. People don't get swallowed up in cracks, okay? Uh, we don't. We don't have. We, very, very few. Very seldom have tornadoes. You maybe go down south, and there's tornadoes all over the place. And they got they got cellars for them down there. We don't have tornado cellars here. Don't need them. Uh, you you go down to, to Florida again. You want to go to Florida? Help yourself. Uh, I I don't want to run from hurricanes on a regular basis. I, that's just not my idea of fun. Okay. Uh, and, and yet you got, you know, you got those kind of situations. Well, each area has got a different foundation and they, they respond accordingly. Um, you know, everything, as, as far as the government goes in New York, obviously we don't have a very firm foundation, but as far as land goes, we're pretty solid. There's a lot of rock around here. And, uh, but but the, when it comes to our lives, we need to make sure that we've got it on the right foundation, that we've got it on solid foundation and not a wobbly one. And the, the, the wise man and the foolish man built on two different foundations. Uh, again, the houses can look identical, but if the foundations are different, it'll affect whether or not the house will stand. Lives can look outwardly. Lives can look identical but affected differently because of different foundations. And when I say foundation, I'm talking about response and, obedient, and obedience to the, to the commands of God. As we're obedient to God, we have a firm foundation. As we ignore God's commands, we have a sand foundation. Uh, what's, what, is, what is the difference in the foundations? Well, both heard the same things. Both, both, you know, you've got some people there that are that are in a in a church, and and uh, they hear the same things. One responds one way, another responds another way. I have I have heard people, I've heard I've heard this in churches. I've been in enough churches where I've heard one group of people say, "Man, I really appreciate the word of God being preached around here. What a blessing, man! I I you know I get something every time I come." And then other folks that are in the same church at the same time say, man, this church is a mess. I never get fed when I come here. 
Well, you know what? When you hear both of those things at the same time, uh, somebody's on the right foundation and somebody's on the wrong foundation. And, and that's the difference. Um, what happened in this story is one heard and obeyed and one heard and did not obey. Uh, take your Bibles and, and turn with me. Keep your finger here, but go to James chapter 1. James chapter 1 is a classic passage. The end of the chapter is a classic passage on being obedient to God. And I, 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 love, I love to study verses and chapters in context. And he starts out in the book of James, he starts out with James chapter 1, verse 1, James, the servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting, obviously, they were going through some trials. Obviously, they're going through some difficulties and troubles. You know that because of the next verse. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this is the trying of your faith worketh patience. And then he teaches on that uh, for quite a few verses. He talks about having faith. And if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. You go to the end of the chapter. And what the end of the chapter is really talking about is foundations. It's saying, listen, you're going to go through some temptations. You're going to go through some trials. And by the time he finishes the chapter, he says, listen, you need to come to the Word of God and do what it says. Why is that so important? Because the rains are coming. <laughs> the floods are coming. And I, and I, don't, I, I don't say that because I'm a doomsday prophet. That's a fact of life. And all God's people said, <laughs> okay, I, I, I hope we're in agreement here this morning. Uh, it, you know, it's just what happens. Make sure that your foundation is sure. I have, I, listen, I have watched folks over the years, almost 30 years now, I've watched them in this church. And I've seen people go through big storms. I mean, huge storms. I mean, hurricanes like storms and come out better on the other side come out stronger on the other side i've watched folks go through small storms little storms and be absolutely completely totally wrecked on the other side of the storm it's it's not it's not so much the size of the storm as it is the foundation in the life. And if the life has the foundation, then, then you're going to make it. Uh, James chapter 1, verses, verses 21 and 22, it says, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. And then he tells you how to respond to that word. Verse 22, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. That's the foundation right there, is, is we need to make sure that when we, when we hear, we do. I love to have special meetings. Uh, 2020, one of the reasons why it was a bust for me, we, we could have very little special meetings, special speakers, 
and we, we didn't. I, I love special meetings because I love sitting out there and I love, love getting, getting fed, getting blistered, <laughs> getting, getting a blessing uh, all at the same time. I, I enjoy that. I, lo I love that. But can I tell you something? When we have special meetings, there's great responsibility that's laid on us. And what I mean by that is this. You hear message after message after message after message. What did you do with it? You know, I hear people say, oh, man, I love it when Brother King comes. And I do too. I really do. I enjoy him. He's a blast. Uh, he, uh, he's just uh, got an upbeat spirit. But can I tell you something? He delivered, I believe, what God wanted him to deliver to our church. Okay, if you were here, if you heard it, my question to you is, what did you do with it? Did you just hear it and say, that's a blessing, and go on? Or did you do something with it? Did something change because of what you heard? Did something get stronger because of what you heard? Was there an act of obedience because of what the Bible said. And that's really what he's talking about here. He's, 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 he's saying that, that uh, it's important to respond to the Word of God. Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Joshua. Here's another one of those verses. Joshua, back in the Old Testament. Just before the book of Judges. Joshua, Judges. Joshua chapter 1, look in verse 8. He's talking, and this is Joshua getting ready to take Israel into the promised land and getting ready to, to take the land that God has, has said that he would give to them. And he says this to them. He tells them to be strong and of a good courage and all that kind of stuff. But that's not really what the key is. The key is right here, verse 8. It says, this book of the law, speaking of the word of God, he says, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. You don't meditate on it. You don't memorize it. You don't study it. You don't read it just to get the information. You do it so you can do something with it. You can do something. And, and he, he says, he says, uh, 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 that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Well, we, what he's saying is, he's saying if you want to be a victor uh, in the promised land, then you need to respond to the word of God. It's the same way today. If you want to have a victorious life, you've got to respond. By the way, if you're struggling with stuff, if you're struggling with attitudes and all that other kind of stuff, uh, and, and it's, there seems to be more turmoil, I'm not talking about trouble, I'm talking about turmoil in your life. Uh, you know what you need to do? You need to look at your obedience. You need to look at what am I doing with what I know? It's not so much really, honestly, the truth that we don't know that we need to get. It's the truth that we already have and we're doing nothing with it. That's, that's what the issue is. And that was the issue here with the guy who's, who built his house upon the sand. Uh, you know, uh, obedience just simply means change. You know, 
uh, it's going to affect your life. It's going to change your life. Now, here's, here's, here's a $64,000 question. Why do some people obey and some don't? Now, when I say, when I say disobey, it's not always like this. Oftentimes, it's just like this. You just don't do anything with it. Uh, not doing anything with the Word of God is disobeying the Word of God. Take your Bibles and turn with me to, to 1 John chapter 5. This is the answer to the question. 1 John 5. And in 1 John chapter 5, I want you to look with me in verses 2 and 3. Why do some people obey and some don't? And I've had to, to check this in my own personal life over and over and over and over again. When I find myself struggling with my relationship with God, when I find myself struggling with obedience, this is what the problem is in my life every time. And it's the problem in your life too. 1 John 5, verses 2 and 3. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. What's, what's, what is the bottom line? The bottom line is love. Uh, if you're having a problem loving other Christians, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. You say, yeah, they're boogers. <laughs> you know, they just are boogers. No, that's not what's, they might be boogers, but, but that's not what's wrong. What's wrong is you don't love them. You know what? There's no, there's no person out there that can stop your love, but you can. In fact, you're the only one who really can. And so if you're, if you're struggling with loving folks, any folks. Uh, I, I realize some people are easier to love than others. Some, some there's a struggle. I, I understand that. We're not talking about them. We're talking about you. We don't like that. I don't like that. Um, but that's where the change, you know, I, I, and these are old axioms, but it's, it's so true. Um, I can't change anybody else but I can always change me. I can always let God change me. Um, you know, I, I can't get into your heart and make a decision for you. I never can, I, I never have been, and I never will be able to. But I can change my response to you. And my response to you might have an effect on you. But it's important that, that I understand and that you understand that if we're disobedient, there's a love problem. We don't love others the way we should. And more importantly than that, and this is where the thing's really connected, uh, love and obedience are connected. If, if uh, my obedience is not where it ought to be, then my love is not where it ought to be. If I struggle obeying God in an area, it's because I struggle loving God. Listen, if you love somebody, you'll do the craziest, stupidest things in all the world. You just will. 
And I'm not saying that God will ask you to do crazy, stupid things. What I'm saying is, is that you won't struggle with it. And that's why that last part of verse 3, I've got an underline in my Bible because I have to be reminded. The, the moment his, any commandment becomes grievous to you, that means it's heavy, that means it's hard, it means it's difficult. Anytime it becomes grievous, your love's slipping. It's that simple. Your love's slipping. Because if your love for God was where it ought to be, and if your love for others was where it ought to be, then you'd, ha you'd have no problem obeying his command. And his commandments are not grievous. But they're not grievous when we love God and we love others. Then they're not grievous. There, there's there's uh, uh, three elements that you find in this in this chapter, in, the, in this, this illustration of the rock and the sand. It, with, the, with the rock, they, uh, they hear the commands of God. The rock is formed by hearing the commands of God, by loving God, and therefore obeying God. So you got hear, you got love, and you got obey. If you hear, love, and obey, you got a rock. You got a rock. I mean, you, you're building a strong foundation. What is, the, what is the makeup of the sand? They hear, they lack love, and they don't obey or disobey. A lack of response to God's word. And that's the difference between the sand foundation and the rock foundation. You know, Obedience, do you, you ever notice your life goes through cycles? It does, it goes through cycles. And, and no, no two lives are alike, so you can't say, oh, mine's just like his or hers, or, they're not. But it does go through cycles. And all of us have times of storms, and all of us have times of calm. We know what the storms do. They test our faith. They test our, they test our love. They test our obedience, all that kind of stuff. What's the, what's the purpose of the calm? The calm is there so we can build on the foundation. So that when the storm comes, we're ready for it. That doesn't mean that we enjoy it. But it does mean that we're going to make it through it. And we're, we're going to be better on the other side of it because we had a good foundation. Uh, you know, uh, one of the things that, that is so necessary for all of us, um, I, I love preaching. I love to, to listen to preaching. I listened to some messages this week and just really got a, got a blessing from them. But I, I, I heard a message on prayer and about how uh, this guy gave some illustrations about how God answered his prayer. I was encouraged by it, and that's good. But you know what encourages me more than listening to somebody else's illustrations of answers to prayer? is when God answers my prayer. When God, answers, when God gets me through something. You know, don't, don't try to live your life vicariously through other people. What other people have discovered in the Word of God is good, but you've got to make it personal. You know, it goes back to that personal thing. 
Now, you just can't escape it. Uh, Christianity is personal. And, uh, and, and, and it is so important that we, we uh, get a hold of truth. Um, we, we've got three, three, three uh, pictures in Matthew chapter 7. You've got the picture of two ways, which is the start of a life of faith. You got a picture of two trees, which is the growth of a life of faith. And you got two houses, which are the results, the foundation that's built in, in a life. Can I tell you where most Christians are today? Go, go with me to Ezekiel. And we'll close with, this, with these verses. Ezekiel chapter 33. We'll close and then I'm going to ask you, well, we're going, we'll read these verses. I'm going to ask you three questions. Ezekiel chapter 33 and verses 31 and 32. This is the typical church in America today. And when I say typical church, I'm talking about a Bible-believing, Christian, faith-centered church. This is the average church member today. Verse 31, And they came unto thee as the people cometh, and they sit before thee as my people, and they hear thy words, but they will not do them. For with their mouth they show much love, but their heart goeth after their covetousness. And lo, thou art unto them as a very lovely song of one that hath a pleasant voice. Have you ever noticed in a lot of these contemporary churches today they'd rather listen to singing than preaching? Very lovely song, and can play well on an instrument. For they hear thy words, but they do them not. That's where, I, you know, and that's not where most other people are. That's where many of us are often, way too often. Three questions I'd like to ask you in closing. Number one, are you saved? You know, I got to thinking this just this week, and I don't know why this came into my mind, but I'm thinking about starting to ask a different question. Instead of asking somebody, are you 100% positive that if you died today that you'd go to heaven? I thought about asking this question. Are you 100% positive that if you died today that you wouldn't go to hell? That's a good one. That's a good one. I, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't have said yes when I, when I was lost. I wasn't 100% positive. But are you saved? You know, have you taken the narrow way? Do you know for sure if you died today that you go to heaven because you put all your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and Him alone? If, if that has not been settled yet, forget the rest of the message. Because that is the most important question. And that one needs to be answered. That one needs to be acted upon. Are you saved? Number two, are you fruitful? You know, the Bible says, by their fruits, ye shall know them. You know, do you, have, do you have a house of turmoil or do you have a house of peace? By their fruits, ye shall know them. Uh, do, you, do, you, uh, have, uh, do you have evidences that you have witnessed? Or is there no evidence that you have witnessed to people? By their fruits, 
They shall know them. Uh, is, there, is there joy in your life? Or is there con constant worry and turmoil and strife and anxiety and anger? By their fruits, you shall know them. Uh, are you fruitful? Are you saved? Are you fruitful? And the last question, are you steady, strong, and stable? And that's based on the foundation. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, I pray your blessings upon the things that we've heard this morning and help us to take seriously the Word of God. Uh, Lord, You've asked us to walk a narrow way. You've asked us to have a fruitful life. You've asked us to build our lives on a solid foundation. There's plenty of muddy ones, swampy ones, sandy ones that are out there. The Lord, building on the Word of God and, and, and having a life that's obedient to you because we love you. Boy, that makes a difference. And I, I have found in my own life that when my obedience starts to shake, it's because my love for you is not what it ought to be. I might still be able to say that I love you. I just don't love you like I did maybe a couple of weeks prior. Because a couple of weeks prior, I didn't have that struggle. And now I'm having it. Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts this morning and particularly to those, whether they be here or whether they be online, they don't know for sure. They're not 100% positive of heaven. If they're not 100% positive that they'll escape the fires of hell someday. I can say absolutely positively that I will never feel the fires of hell on my soul because of Jesus Christ has nothing to do with anything I've done, but everything to do with what you've done for me when I, by faith, trusted you as my Savior. God, I pray that you'd speak to hearts this morning and uh, God, uh, help us this morning and maybe just fall in love with you a little bit more and get a little stronger and be a little bit more obedient so that our lives can bring forth fruit and others can see that walking the narrow way is the best way because it's a way of happiness, it's a way of peace, and it's a way of joy. Speak to our hearts. Have your will and way in this invitation, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand together.